driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. And hello, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Driving Home with Patty Vasquez. Um, this is not Patty Vasquez, though. Uh, I am Dan Schaefer. Um, I have a radio show here on Sunday mornings with my best friend Meg called A Politini with Dan and Meg. And I um, was just getting acquainted with my new friend Andy here, who's been taking care of me while we're making it look like I know what I'm doing. And uh, no, Patty asked me to fill in for her today. Uh, it is a, a snowy Friday. So happy Friday, happy weekend. Um, I hope everybody is safe out there on the roads. The roads aren't super terrible right now, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better based on current meteorologists. Um, so if you are out on the road listening to us, please be safe. Drive safely. Um, if you're at home, snuggle up with a uh, good cocktail or a cup of coffee or something. And uh, we got a great show. So we can talk about all of the things. We can talk about the current political climate. We are officially in a... Um, it's election year, my friends, and so uh, it is definitely, we are going to um, start being bombarded with uh, all of the political ads, all all of the mailers, all of the text messages, all of the phone calls, everything. Um, and we can talk about that, right? We can talk about uh, who the best choice for this country is uh, come November of 2024, and then provided there's not an attempted insurrection in January of 2025, who the next president would be. Um, I think if anybody has listened to my show or our show in, in the past, um, you know where I where my allegiances lie. Um, I'd rather I have a, a, an elderly president um, as opposed to a psychopath. That's my my thoughts exactly. Um, so uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about the um, the pending uh, legal challenges that the former president is currently handling, and then the fact that Secretary of State's and Supreme State Supreme Courts are trying to remove him from the ballot. Is that something that should happen? Is that something we should just leave up to the voters? That's that's up to you guys to to discuss, and I'm happy to have that conversation. Um, we can also chat about the Secretary of Defense, who kind of went MIA, and uh, I'm not sure if Patty talked about this uh, this week or not, uh, but uh, admitted himself to the hospital, did not tell the White House that he was going undergoing a procedure. Um, I have my own thoughts about that. We can. I, I'm happy to have yours as well. Um, Current political things in the the localities here in Chicago, uh, the migrant crisis, we're using $90 million of COVID funding to uh, help assist our local folks to accommodate these individuals. Uh, If you listen to certain other um, radio stations, I listen to a lot of conservative radio stations, uh, they're essentially equating that to stealing money from the city to accommodate these things. And... um, Again, I have my views on that, but I'm welcoming yours as well. And um, so, and then uh, we have uh, three guests today. So, uh, my friend Meg, not the Palatini Meg, but my other friend Meg, will come on. We're going to chat about some diversity and inclusion um, things with uh, the company that we're currently 
starting and building up. And then we have a pre-recorded session that Patty did with um, the Undersecretary of Education about student loan cancellation. There's a new wave that's going to cancel loan amounts for a lot of people, uh, I think starting next week. Um, And then the second hour, uh, we are going to have, um, uh, she was on my show originally on Sunday. Uh, She was part of a docuseries on Netflix called The Keepers. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend looking it up and watching it. Um, It is a riveting docuseries, and uh, essentially it's based in Baltimore. And um, it it goes into great detail about how uh, several members of the clergy were doing not so great things to uh students at an all girls high school and then one when one of the teachers the 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 nun wanted to come forward um she suddenly disappeared and ended up in a field dead and so uh Gemma Hoskins who is a good friend of mine and uh her her group of individuals uh, have been making it their mission to determine who actually killed Sister Kathy and bring as many people to justice as they they need to be. Um, So she's going to be with us for the whole second hour. Uh, And I'm really excited for that. And and Gemma is just a phenomenal person. And she takes zero you-know-what from anyone. And she will tell like it is. And um, has been just a really, really great advocate for individuals that have been impacted by a lot of these uh, these actions. So uh, we're looking forward to that. So, but until then, let's chat with our good friend Jim from Chicago. Um, hey, Jim! Happy Friday! I I hope your Meg is in Aruba. Tell me she's in Aruba. She's at her apartment a block from my house, but she probably wishes she was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good weekend to be there. Right. My 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 concern is, you know, when I was a kid, they said that the continental United States couldn't be attacked by a land force, mm-hmm. that we could protect our borders. But now we have interference in our elections from the Russians. Of course, they. Nobody can tell me I'm going to go to the happy hunting ground, believe me, that the Russians uh, pinpointed those districts to uh, even they, they had door knockers out and misinformation out and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this particular one, you, now you've got Iran. They're all in. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that Russia's all in. And uh, China would love to destabilize the United States for just to be mischievous, but my point is, how long can we continue to do this? We, there's got to be some apparatus to stop foreign uh, interference in our elections, because I don't think we've ever suffered that before. It wasn't like you went on the street and you, you ran into 14 people from Russia and 14 people from Iran and 14 people from wherever. Right. But now, this information seeps in. And I'm just afraid that, uh, you know, and, and everybody on the, in the world knows that there's five or six counties that are going to decide this election. Even if, I'm sure that Joe Biden's going to win another maybe the 10 million popular vote. I, I think he could, yeah. But, if, but with, with, the, with the ages, the particular uh, people that are interested, you know, here's our problem. First of all, Putin is in power for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qing and China is in for 30 years. For the rest of his life. Iran's in for 30 years. Yeah. But we're under, their, we're under our own government here. We're four years of changes every four years. So they have an advantage in that regard. Yeah. You follow what I mean? Right. I mean, they could keep, they could dream up uh, 
propaganda from here to uh, for 20 years. Right. You can see what's affected, you know. And uh, I'm sure that the, uh, you heard uh, the leader for the uh, Grand Old Party say, I'll take any interference. I'll take any interference from Russia, from uh, anywhere, you know, as long as they elect me. Which is and insane. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. But I mean, but, this, but they voted for him. The 74 million people voted for him. And, and now he's so desperate because you know that he, he he's all out to win because if he doesn't win, he's going to die in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, put, put yourself in his shoes for, for 10 minutes. He's, if he doesn't win, he's going to go to prison. He's only running. So, uh, he's continuing to run because he can still fundraise. So he can still put money into his pack and then also... Uh, Try to claim presidential immunity or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, all the money. What's all the money in the world going to do? He's in prison. He dies in prison. What's the difference? If he's got ten bucks or ten zillion bucks. Yeah. If you're dying in prison, you're dying in prison. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. Anyway, uh, but I just what I'm afraid. Of. I'm afraid of interference again in this election. I don't know how I, it's the CIA be... can stop it, or you know, somebody's got to somebody's got to drop some kind of plan yeah. to counteract. Uh, it's a, slip, it's a slippery slope, Jim. It's it's like it, like how do you have folks at Facebook fact check posts without being like infringing on individuals' uh, First Amendment free speech rights? However, you as a private company have, I would say, an obligation to make sure that the information that you are peddling on your infrastructure or your platforms um, are not misguiding or causing violence against other individuals. I think that the, the, there's, a, there's a level of accountability that needs to happen. I don't really see it happening anytime soon, though. No, no, I, I agree. I, either, I mean, either. My point is, it just seems so unfair to have foreign governments interfering in our precious yeah, election. Right. And also, don't but, take uh, payment in rubles, right? Like, don't. Like Facebook, yeah, try to figure it out. Anyway, Paul, have a, have a, have a great yeah, You too, Jim. It's it. always great hearing from you. Um, I love Jim from Chicago. He's one of my favorites. Uh, let's go to Roosevelt here. Um, hey, Roosevelt, happy Friday. How are you doing? Man, thank you for taking my call, my friend. Yeah. Uh, have a nice weekend before I... Yeah, awesome. Yeah, what's on your mind? Before I, uh, okay, uh... You know what? I, I say this reminds me of the last election he had. Because here's the thing. Our our side, the Democratic side, we said it was ridiculous that they shouldn't have been, uh, that he, sh- he shouldn't have gotten the millions and millions of votes because it was ridiculous then. Well, it's more ridiculous now because he's gone through two, two um, impeachments, one insurrection, and in his personal life, he's gone through uh, uh, decisions that he has to pay because he uh, sexually took advantage of a lady. I would uh, which, say, which uh, is, uh, did you, Roussel, did you see him when he was doing, he didn't, because he doesn't debate right now because he is terrified of debating uh, people. But he, he was um, talking about how proud he was that uh, he was uh, an instrumental effort of overturning Roe v. Wade. Yeah, and then he's proud of that. Allegedly, allegedly, I have to say that because it's Patty's show, not my show. Allegedly, he's probably paid for his fair share of abortions. That that then he was instrumental in overturning the the abortion law of this country. Uh, Um, It's it's, yeah. 
Right. He's the ultimate hypocrite, you know. But it, see, this is what he does. That, that's, that's typical of him because this is what he does. He mentioned that there was going to be bedlam if the decision didn't go in his way as far as the uh, uh, the election presidential yes. <laughs> amnesty. Amnesty. That, that's what I was trying to say. So he throws these things out there. Then he back, backtracks. That's constantly because when he is with friendly people, his own people, his own supporters, he'll say the most outrageous things. And then when he gets called on it, he'll backtrack and say he either never said it or they'll say he was joking. That's, an, that's one of the techniques he uses, that it was all a joke. Mm-hmm. He did that thing with uh, – Dan. It's the same thing. It's the same game. He, he doesn't present any new plan as far as himself. It's yeah. the same stupid plan, like this thing with this amnesty. He, one thing you could depend on Trump, and I said it before, you know, is that he'll pick the most stupidest people to, to work under him, such as this lawyer. Why would you say that it's okay for him to assassinate uh, uh, his rivals, his political rivals, or, you know? Right. It, it, and that got thrown out saying? like instantly it, within it, minutes. We're at, we're at a point where it's totally ridiculous. I'll say, I say this: let's beat him, at, beat him at his own game. He put all these people in the Supreme Court. Let's see if the Supreme Court has guts to say that he has total amnesty, even though he doesn't hold any political office, even right. though he's not involved in, in politics. Right. But another another thing is his state of mind. He thinks that because, because he's constantly called president, he thinks he still is the president. He also so, thinks that Barack Obama is currently president, if you actually listen to some of yeah, his, his speeches. No, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Because, listen, I, I talk on, on Spanish stations, I call up on a daily basis on uh, Spanish station, and this guy called up, and he said the same thing you're saying. He said that behind the scenes is... Uh, Obama working working uh, uh, against Trump. That um, uh, the latest thing is that that rich uh, uh, Democrat. What's his name? Uh, oh no, I forgot his name. Uh, oh, the candidate. One no. that they always mention about he was. Uh, oh, Soros. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, George Soros. Yeah, 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 yeah. two three call. Yeah, you had two two three callers saying that George Soros. Soros, and I was shocked. Yeah, be honest with you. That, 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 that he's destroyed other countries and Soros is behind yeah. a lot of this stuff and so is Obama. But they you know just, what, Roosevelt, the, the Koch brothers, and now it's just one Koch brother, have destroyed quite their few of countries on the Republican you know side. Think, and also they're marketing yeah. toward the Hispanic community to try to uh, capitalize on their Catholicism and try to get them to vote Republican, even though oh. they they lobby against things that impact the, the Hispanic community. So... Well, I think it's happening in the Hispanic community. To be honest with you, as far as why, you know, as far as I see, is they lack information. Mm-hmm. They don't, and I don't know where they're picking this up. And I'm pretty sure, but they don't want to come out and say it. I'm pretty sure it's Fox News because it sounds exactly the same things that Fox News have said before. George Soros, uh, and it's a reflection on. Fox News, yeah. because what's the owner of Fox News? He's destroyed countries. He, they don't want him in other countries. What's that guy's name? Oh, uh, Murdoch. The guy that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're using him, but instead of Murdoch, they use uh, Soros. Right. So they, well, now Murdoch is he's relinquishing uh, control to his son, who I think is even worse than he was. So that, we'll see how that all goes. Yeah, but, 
Yeah, because if you notice, it's the same thing out as far as Trump, because Trump accuses not only Trump. See, that's the thing. He's got accomplices, Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor, Taylor Green, Green. Yep. and all these people. Lauren yeah, Boebert, all these yeah. people are saying, and I'm, I hope you go over this a little bit, uh, they, they, because of the fact that um, uh, Hunter Biden went in there. So they're saying that through Hunter Biden, uh, the president, Biden, Joe Biden, is receiving money from China, when it's really Trump, there was, right. I mean, Washington Post uh, well, let's said talk that about Ivanka. Million. Let's talk about all the patents that Ivanka got. Let's talk about the $2 billion that, um, oh my God, I can't think of his son-in-law's name, um, Jared Kushner got from Saudi Arabia. Let's talk about those things. Um, and, and, yeah. And then one more thing I'm going to say. Sure. When they first came in, when he was sworn in, and right after that, when Melania copied word for word. Michelle Obama's, Michelle Obama's speech. speech. That's exactly have right. Have you ever yeah. seen that split screen? Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that split it's screen? It's insane. Oh, my God. That freaks you out, man. It's that insane. That freaks me out. Yes. It's insane. So, it, 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 I mean, so that told you exactly what they are. Right. You know, they're grifters. They take from other people, and that's it. They have new, no new plan, no new game, or nothing. So they, they constantly copy other people's stuff. And specifically, dictators, because that's all Trump, uh, uh, the only people Trump really respects, right. guys from uh, North Korea, yeah. uh, Putin, uh, Bolsonaro from Brazil, all these guys. The guy from uh, England that, that was tossed out, what's his name? Uh, the guy with the funny hair? Bor- uh, Boris Johnson. I'm, I'm bad at names. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm Boris bad Johnson. at names. Yeah, the, the previous prime minister yeah, who Boris got... Boris Johnson. Yeah, so exactly. He looks after strong... Oh, and then another guy that he constantly... Throws, throws them under the bus and then uh, uh, puts them up on a pedestal. It's the guy from China, the leader from China. At first, he, he said 20 times that he was doing a fantastic job in China as far as COVID, when COVID hit here in the United States. And, and now and he's he facing them again. He's a great leader that, he, uh, that rules with an iron hand. Yeah. So that's all. You know what it is, too? I thought about it this way. I know I'm jumping all over the place. This guy reminds me exactly uh, of the movie with... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, and Tom Hanks. Uh, oh, now you're really testing my, that, my memory here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look catch it me up. if you can. can you no. Catch me if you can. Yeah, see that? Catch okay. me if Look you can. Right. This guy is a kid. It's, a, it's the same guy. It's the same uh, character from Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see. He, he, he morphs into other play. He knows better than the generals. He knows this. And that's exactly what the whole movie is about. He turn, you know, he pretends he's a doctor, so he's a doctor. Yeah. You know, he pretends he knows better than the generals. And look look at the one with the map. He's a weather He's a weather guy. Right. You know, he when the, when the tornadoes hit down south, uh, everything is yeah. exactly the same, same principle as the... Uh, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio well, and, and uh, Donald Trump is on record basically saying that he loves the uneducated because they vote for him. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. Not saying that everybody who does is uneducated, but that's what he said. That's just it. Um, yeah. Listen, Rizzo, I'm going to let you go. We got to take a break here. Um, and then we're going to th- thanks for calling in, by the way, and be safe with the weather and everything. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to chat f- uh, with Juan from Skokie in a minute. And then we have our first guest, uh, Meg is on hold. We'll chat with them after the break. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors. On WCPT 820. And hello, hello, everybody. How are we all doing on this Friday? I did forget to mention that it is um, one of Patty's new things is First Time Caller Friday. So if you do um, call in and you're the first time calling into the show, um, you get... uh, you get a gift. You get a $25 gift card from one of Patty's sponsors, because um, this is Driving Home with Patty Vasquez. I am Dan, filling in for Patty today. Um, so if you do want to call in, 773-763-9278, we can talk about anything that's on your mind. But if you are a first-time caller, um, you're going to get a $25 gift card of from one of the sponsors, which could be... Uh, Gino Spice of Life, Brown Sugar Bakery, Chicago, uh, Crave Brothers Farmstead, Cheese, uh, Boot Tights, Sam's Famous Salsa, Timeless Toys, and the list goes on. So if you do want to call in um, and contribute to the conversation, feel free to do so. Uh, right now we're going to chat with uh, Juan from Skokie about student loan forgiveness. And I feel like you and I may disagree, but I love when people disagree with me. What's on your mind, Juan? Well, uh, I'm not in favor of student loan forgiveness. Okay. Uh, they tried it before. I wasn't too crazy about it. And then when I found out that they stopped it because millionaires were getting their student loans forgiven before people who were actually in the poverty level. So you and I grateful. would agree on that. That's yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you make a million dollars or more, you shouldn't get student loan forgiveness. If you make half a million dollars or more, you shouldn't get student loan forgiveness. And I think that if you make $100,000 or more, you can handle your bills and you shouldn't get student loan forgiveness. Um, I I would disagree with that last point because $100,000 after you get taxes taken out, you're still, I mean, even if you're paying three grand a month for student loans, factoring in your mortgage payment, your car payment, your food, like that's still kind of a burden on a lot of individuals. $100,000 in this country is actually not, that doesn't go as far as a lot of people think. Those are still voluntary uh, commitments that you make after your student loan. And the most important thing about the student loan is when you are signing up for it, they tell you you are getting the lowest interest rate of your life. But unlike any other loan you get, you cannot run away from it at Chapter 13. That's true. So that's, that's the Republicans you know, did that. You sign the dotted line, you know that's good. You know, you got to pay that commitment. Right. You know, and um, that's, that, that's, you know, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, hey. You know, that is a, you know, that is a student loan. I did not choose the student loan, okay? okay. So, I, because of that, because it chases you around yeah. like um, alimony, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I think so that that was the, the I, fact I, that I, you I can't... Pass, and the then f- when they started forgiving student loans, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I could have gotten a student loan and then, you know, said, hey, why don't you pay for that, Uncle Sam? Well, I mean, the you could also go back to the COVID times about PPP loans and all these corporations that were getting all that free money. Um Okay, you know what's interesting about that? I don't know if you ever read those documents, uh, the package that the president put out after he became president, but uh, I was skimming through it, and it was a really crazy thing because um, I was watching some television show, and I'm um, swiping up and down, I was swiping you know, up on my phone, and every time a commercial came on, I would read a paragraph from that package. And uh, by the time that the show ended, I got to this paragraph that said, and it was crazy because it was the first time in my life I'd ever seen anything like this. It singled out Donald Trump and his family and his associates from taking part in any of the package that the government was putting out. And I was like, "Whoa, come on, that's federal money. You, you know, you can't say that. You know, that would that would be that would be almost like saying 
Jews could not take part in that package. Okay, you're singling out a you know religion. This is singling out a family, but you know still. You can't single anybody out. You're, if you're American, you qualify. That's the bottom line. Well, uh, and they did it, and I was like, "Whoa!" But, however, you know, but, if you, uh, I, I would also say that the the Trump family profited pretty nicely from being in government uh, agencies. Oh, and, every president does. Oh my yeah. God, Bill Clinton! If you make a cell phone call or any kind of wireless, uh, you know, in in Arkansas, they get paid. Sure. You know, so yeah. uh, Donald Trump also uh, got yeah, millions of dollars thing. from foreign countries that stayed at his hotel. And he, because he never put anything of his in a blind trust, oh, yeah, that, which he should that's have done. Nothing compared to what other presidents have done. Uh, no, I think that you know, the, I think like amateur. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to say that Donald Trump was probably the biggest grifter that ever uh, occupied the White House. I mean, Jimmy Carter lost his peanut farm because he put everything in a blind trust and it was mismanaged. And now, you know, now Bill Clinton can go and give a speech for thirty thousand dollars a pop, and good for him. And if anybody wants to listen to Donald Trump for thirty minutes, they can they can pay him. What Whatever. But no, I think honestly, I do think that this is a crippling issue for a lot of individuals in the country uh, trying to pay off their student loans, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if it is technically a rounding error for the federal government, uh, do it. And then what are these individuals going to do? They're going to spend money. They're going to buy a house. They're going to buy a car. They're going to purchase things. They're going to contribute to the economy. Um, and it, it's it's literally a rounding error for the federal government. And if you look at the national, like the annual budget, it's a rounding error. And so I don't think that it's going to be, it's not going to be catastrophic if they just forgive the majority of these federally endorsed loans. That's my opinion. Um, but I thank you for calling in, Juan. I really do. Um, call into my show on Sunday morning if you want, uh, 8 a.m., Palatini, and uh, we'll chat with you then. Um, all right. So now we are going to bring on a very, very good friend of mine, uh, Meg, uh, who Meg and I uh, recently started a new business called Inclusive Minds Consulting. And so we talk about how diversity and inclusion um, actually helps contribute to society and corporations and libraries and school boards and all of the things, especially now when we're, as I mentioned, in an election year. Uh, a lot of individuals are attacking members of the LGBT plus community, um, including trans Americans and everything. So we need to have this as front of mind. Um, so I want to say, hello, Meg. How are you? Hello, Dan. I'm like good. How are you? you? Oh my gosh, it's almost like we're friends. I know, right? <laughs> um, so uh, everybody's been listening to me talk, so I'm going to let you talk at this point. Um, tell us a little bit about the business that you and I decided to start. Absolutely. So you you already know this, so I'll talk to your audience. Totally but So Dan yeah. and I um, <laughs> used to work at a corporation together, and we took turns as uh, the presidents of the LGBT employee resource group there. And just after a lot of years um, doing doing that work for no pay as like a volunteer thing on top of our real jobs, um, you know, we we had been talking for a long time about should we just should we just do this full time? Like this is you know this is the work that's actually fueling us. Mm -hmm. um, and so, especially after you know 2020 and everything, we both found ourselves not in the corporate world anymore and decided to give it a go. So what what we're really focusing on is providing like holistic approaches to IDE work, which is um, inclusion, diversity, and equity, um, and 
what we're trying to do is really look at, you know, work with a company or with a school or a library. Those are the kind of three areas that we're really um, looking into helping right now. And we want to take a look at the organization holistically and see, like, where are your strong areas? Where are your weak points? Where do you need a little help? Um, And then through a combination of workshops and trainings and executive coaching and policy review, then we can go through and help them um, strengthen, you know, what they're doing for their employees, strengthen what they're doing for consumers. Um, and, And overall, you know, we the data that's been collected over the last 20 years or so shows very clearly that um, LGBTQIA folks are very fiercely brand loyal um, to brands that support them and engage with them and, you know, go go beyond just including them, but like actively mm-hmm. try to serve the community. Um, and again, as, as we know, you know, globally, there's over $3 trillion in spending power in the LGBTQ community. So a lot of corporations aren't, you know, aren't tapping into this market as well as they could be. And we want to help with that, too, because we understand that, you know, the bottom line is really what what matters to uh, most companies, most organizations. And it's important that people start realizing that, you know, doing the right thing actually does help your bottom line. Like, do you know, treating people compassionately and and serving your employees and serving the people that you want to purchase your products and services like that actually it it does make a difference and it does impact the bottom line by quite a lot (laughs) well and that's the thing and i always say it's starting to see finally it's dollars and cents and i use it the the word (laughs) sense in both terms right it's s-e-n-s-e and then c-e-n-t yeah it's it's dollars and cents and when you and i were working at a fortune 100 company we determined that actually and this was before i think it was it was before same-sex marriage was legalized at least in the state of illinois but definitely not um not nationwide but it was also like you know let's become the preferred provider of a certain service uh for the lgbt community and let's say like you know what there's there's not a a black and white way to figure out how it was an insurance company. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say the name, but how we can yeah. provide insurance and financial services to same-sex couples. Um, and if you're the one of the few companies that is actually doing that, you're going to be a preferred, preferred provider. Um, and that's a really cool thing. And when you mentioned $3 trillion in buying power, those are the individuals mm-hmm. that you want to be like, yeah, you know what? This company gets me and they're going to support me. And I'm going to give them my money. Like, that's the way that it works, you know? Um, What are some of the issues that we're seeing now? Like, if, if, uh, again, we're in an election year, um, specifically towards the the transgender community that we're seeing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. You can keep it limited. I I mean to keep, like, a running list of this. And there's a couple of actually really great websites that keep, like, a running list of, like, kind of where we are in in the world of being trans in America today. Um, Recently, you know, very recently, um, Ohio, gosh, I'm trying to think of, like, when, I think it was just a couple days ago, um, there was an anti-transgender bill that was introduced last year that was vetoed uh and now an even worse one is like is like going through mm-hmm. um 
And I believe that the Ohio governor signed it. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I, uh, so, yeah, I so, remember saying, I was like, good on you, Governor DeWine. And then I was like, also, I'm taking that back because oh, you, yeah, you did it and then, like, you, and then you did it. And OK. All right. You know, we're starting to see. And it's interesting because, again, like, you know, obviously, like the circles I run in have been worried about this for a really long time. And now, you know, now it's finally like mainstream and people are like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. But we've been seeing very sneaky, yeah. <laughs> very sneaky bills get passed. And especially with Roe v. Wade being overturned, there's even more leeway in terms of, you know, the state interfering with your bodily autonomy. Right. Uh, one of the things that I think is the most dangerous and most insidious right now is that a lot of the anti-trans movement, which, I mean, let's be real, it's Republicans. Mm-hmm. They, there are people building entire platforms on just hating trans people. Um, But what's really insidious about what they're doing right now is they're acting like it's about um, taking care of kids. And it's, um, oh, well, we're protecting children by not letting, you know, the terrible trans people brainwash them. And we're protecting children by not letting them have these atrocious surgeries. And there's a lot of, like, fear-mongering and and virtually no facts in a lot of what is being talked about. And you know what's interesting is yeah. this past week or week and a half, I, I'm not sure, time has been kind of fleeing by. Um, yeah. We recently <laughs> released the Jeffrey Epstein report of all of those things. And you know who did not appear on any of those documents was drag queens who just wanted to read books to children. Like right? Yeah. People are, like, you know, but well, you, you know who flew on his plane yeah. seven times? Donald Trump. So there you go. Oh, the okay. And also Bill Clinton, well, but still, it's, you know. But, yeah. but it's a thing. It's individuals it's, like that want to just live and be their authentic selves, um, literally just want to do that. They just want to live well, and be their authentic selves. That's it. And that's the thing. And that's what's so dangerous about this kind of rhetoric, because what it does is it takes a very very blatant misunderstanding of what it means to be transgender Mm -hmm. and it sexualizes it. And, you know, again, I know we hear these jokes a lot, but it's like truly the people who are coming for trans people are like thinking about weird sex stuff a lot more than trans people are. Like It's like, those are, those are inside thoughts for you not for everybody. And there's gender and there's sex. Those are two very different things. There's exactly. And, and also like, you know, just because you have like a, a sexuality that's in the minority also doesn't mean that you are some psychotic pervert. Um, like it, you know, it, they've used these tactics against gay men for ever. Right. And now we're seeing them fired at the trans community. But what's, what's so harmful about this is like a acting like kids can't be transgender because that is wild and they absolutely can. And they're, you know, again, it's, there's a lot of stuff now where it's like, oh, well, there weren't this many transgender people when I was in school or whatever. And it's no, like, well, yeah, but we're in a more exciting world thing. now. Right. Yeah, well, people couldn't talk about it then. Right. We didn't have the infrastructure to support it. Um, it's not like all of a sudden there were so like, many more transgender individuals. No, they already existed. It's just they didn't feel comfortable yeah, coming out about it. That's the thing. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're just having their lives. But, like, that's the thing is a lot of kids you know, 
are figuring it out when they're younger. And a lot of these current bans that are getting passed are bans on gender-affirming care for anyone under the age of 18. Right. And a lot of those are fundamentally, like, they are they are based on incorrect information because a lot of the, you know, fear-mongering and the the message that's being put out there is, like, children are getting sex changes. Right. And, like, that's not a thing. No, like, o- almost no doctor in the world is going to, like, perform a sex change on a kid unless there is, like, a really good, well-documented, well-researched reason. Like, it's so incredibly rare that that would ever happen in this circumstance, like, in a trans circumstance. Literally, all they're really talking about is puberty blockers which don't do anything other than, like, hold off puberty until you're old enough to make a decision. Right. And it, um, it, there's also there's a comprehensive know, like, care plan that would be put in place between yeah, the family, yeah. a therapist, a doctor. Like, that's that's the process. Yeah. It's, it's, and, like, that, and that's what it is. we also know, like, we have, you know, if you actually talk to the real people and their real lived experience, like, we know that this actively reduces chances of suicide. Right. We know that this actively reduces, you know, kids having extreme depression. Like, there are not a lot, like, the, the good consequences of it overwhelmingly outnumber the, like, minute bit of, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes surgeries go wrong. Yeah. We also, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of yelling about like, well, once people are adults, look how many people detransition. Right. And if you actually look at like the rate of like people who have been surveyed just about surgeries, only about one percent of people who undergo gender affirming surgery say that they regret it. The average for like regretting breast augmentation is like ten percent. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually like the lowest, like statistically like the lowest surgery regretted ever. <laughs> Yeah. of all surgeries, right. but it's now that's like another thing they're throwing in. And so that's something that I think is really important for companies like us and and the people we work with to just start sharing like the actual facts. Like we have information, we have right. hundreds of people who have been surveyed and we have doctors who have made this like their whole life's calling and like people who are actually experts. Yeah. know what the real story is and that's not what's getting shared which i think no, is what right so um, we're gonna we're gonna right run now. into a break here meg but um if individuals gotcha. want to engage with us how would they do that um they can go to our website inclusivemindsconsulting.com um and they can also find us i i believe on all of the, all the social media uh, we're on instagram all the facebook, social media um, on instagram facebook Inclusive Minds Consulting. Yeah. Um, yeah. We and, and we're doing a thing right now. If you want um, a free 30-minute consultation, uh, shoot us an email, book with us, and we will set that up for you. Thanks, Meg, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. You're doing right. a great job. Oh, thanks. All right. <laughs> uh, this is Driving Home with Patty Vasquez. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, reminder, it is First Time Caller Friday, so 773-763-9278 if you want to tune in. Uh, we are going to come back with a pre-recorded message um, that Patty did about student loan forgiveness. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys in a minute. 
Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. There is wonderful news today for those who continue to be under the the burden of school debt. And joining us today to talk about the new round of student debt relief is U.S. Undersecretary James Caval from the from the U.S. Department of Education. So thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, This is really great news. Uh, I was asking my husband, who, by the way, got his graduate degree in 1993 when we met. So I knew going into our marriage, sir, that uh, we were carrying that. So there have to be a lot of really relieved families that you've talked to across the country, aren't there? Yeah, that's an important point. I mean, student loans, you know, for some of us, relatively small price to pay for our education. But there are a lot of people out there who are really struggling, people who feel like they're worse off than if they'd never gone to college at all. And, you know, it's not just an issue for the borrower. It's an issue for, um, you know, their spouses, often for their parents. Um, Often we're talking about people who are trying to save for their own children's education. Um, So it's not just 43 million people with student loans. It's their families and communities that are struggling. I think that's a great point because people often say, you know, I paid off my debt. You know, how is this fair to me? And I don't think they get the, the, the big picture of how it affects all of our communities, do they? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the students I talk to, you know, it's not just a question of how am I going to repay my loans, but it's uh, how my parents helping me. I want to help my parents, my cousins, my little siblings, you know, and uh, paying for college is one of the major considerations for anyone who's um, raising a kid in the country today. Um, And then when you look at the economic impact of uh, student debt on homeownership, on business, uh, starting new businesses, you know, this is really a challenge we've got to solve. And what do you say to folks who, well, let's start here, because this is a a new round and it's going to be debt relief for some. So tell us what the what the stages are for this, because I believe it's it's twelve thousand dollars. And then depending on how what that the term of the loan has been, correct? Yeah. Let me step back a little bit. We've been trying to make sure that people who are eligible for loan forgiveness get that help. And we've identified about 3.6 million people so far because they're public servants or they have a disability or low incomes for decades. Um, And we've also created this new repayment plan called the SAVE plan, which is the most affordable way to repay your loans ever. And under the SAVE plan, it's a sliding scale where how much you pay depends on how much you earn. If you make less than about $15 an hour, or more if you have a family to support, you don't have to pay anything. And that's because we don't think student loans should come before the necessities. And interest also uh, doesn't accrue. You won't see loans getting bigger instead of smaller if you're making your payments. And that's another big problem today where a lot of people actually owe more than they originally borrowed. And then today we're announcing a third uh, benefit of the SAVE plan, which is if you have a relatively small loan, um, less than $12,000, which is about two years of college, um, then you'll get that forgiveness after 10 years instead of having to make payments for 20 or 25 years. And we think that's, you know, that's really important for actually a lot of the people we see struggling the most. And this isn't, is it, this isn't something that happens automatically. This is something people have to apply for. Is that correct? That's right. You have to enroll in the SAVE plan, um, which you can do at studentaid.gov. It takes about 10 minutes or you can call your student loan servicer. And uh, there's a lot of benefits. It's going to be lower monthly payments. 
um, uh, for almost everyone, particularly people with high debts and low incomes. And, uh, and you may be eligible for immediate forgiveness as well. So, you know, with all, all the efforts to address student loan debt, are, are there policies in place right now going forward? Because the cost of higher education has grown so astronomically. Uh, you know, we when I was uh, in college, I graduated in 1993. Uh, it, it was I mean, sure, there were I had classmates who were taking out a lot of debt. But this is I mean, I see I see people with their phones showing me, you know, they owe one hundred and forty five thousand dollars on their kids debt. And they are kind of trying to figure out how they're ever going to retire. What are we what kind of plans are, are in place right now going forward to sort of curb that? escalation of costs and debt. Yeah, we need to tackle this problem, no doubt about it. And so, you know, a lot of these changes we're talking about, these are permanent things. The SAVE plan will help future borrowers public service loan forgiveness. Um, the second thing is uh, we need to invest in higher education. And, and here we need a little help from Congress or from states, but we've called for uh, doubling Pell grants um, for making community college free. And then the third thing um, that we're doing is we're looking at where are all these unaffordable loans coming from? And for it's still true that a disproportionate share are coming from for-profit colleges, for example, and uh, we're setting higher standards so that those colleges don't routinely leave people uh, with loans they can't afford to pay and uh, and help students find better choices. And so when, you know, do, is there enough information? I know FAFSA is something that you're also uh, very active in making sure that people know what kind of funding they have access to. What do you want people to know about that? I mean, sure, we have the Internet, but there can be almost too much information at some point, right? Yeah, we're uh, working now to try and modernize that FAFSA. Anyone who's been through it knows uh, it's a challenge. It's a bit of a headache. Um and we're really pleased we have some bipartisan legislation out of Congress that allows us to make that form simpler. And, you know, it's not just a question of uh, helping people with the hassle. We think it's going to help uh, students get Pell Grants and the other financial aid that they need to pay for college. We think it's going to make a real difference for low-income students. So that uh, it's a big change. Uh, it's been a big uh, a big task for us. And it's a, a challenge as well for states and colleges and everyone who plays a part in the financial aid system. Uh, the FAFSA is up and running. Uh, we've gotten more than a million applications so far. And we're going to keep working with our partners to help students through um, through this change. I, I really appreciate the work that you have done uh, through several administrations. Do you have s- some insight on, on how you would compare where we are under the Biden administration, uh, considering how much things have changed uh, in the landscape of trying to pay for higher education? Well, I think this president uh, really understands uh, that the student debt issue has changed and he gets the, the scale of the problem. There are millions of people struggling, people making payments um, for decades. And uh, the solutions that he's looking at are equal to um, the scale of the problem um, with very significant efforts to expand loan forgiveness, uh, to make student debt payments smaller or, or weigh them entirely. And it's something he's going to keep working on for as long as he's in office. He understands that we need solutions here that are as big as the problem is. And in your in your experience, because you have worked for administrations, you, you've also uh, taught policy uh, to students. 
Um, I know that, oh, I, I don't know. I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm respectful of your time because you have a lot of these uh, conversations, don't you? But I, I do, do want to just, just briefly uh, thank you for your service uh, in public education and just to let people know, I guess, with your experience with teaching and working on federal policy for education, where you'd like to see us go uh, as far as, you know, because a lot of people talk about is higher education the way path for everyone? Is, you know, is the, is the trades a way we should be uh, helping people move forward in life? You know, is there a multi faceted aspect to this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we do need education, uh, higher education to solve um, the most pressing challenges our country is facing. And that could include the trades. Often you do need some kind of uh, certificate or degree from a community college or a trade school after high school to get those kinds of jobs. And you can get Pell Grants for that as well. Um, and it's just hard to imagine us having, um, you know, the kind of country we want to have where people have upward mobility, where there's uh, equitable opportunity, our economy is growing. If we're not investing in higher education and, and we have to figure out this student debt issue and, and make it possible for people to um, get that education and go on to a better life. Well, I really am uh, grateful for your time, and and I I don't know what the weather is like near you. We are uh, digging out of snow. <laughs> We've been hit with with quite the blizzard here. My power just came back on, so I'm glad that we were able to have this interview. How was the weather by you? Uh, it's uh, it's actually pretty nice. We thought we were going to get some snow, but we just got the the dreaded wintry mix last weekend. So we're waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be quite the uh, next few days for sure. The, the temperatures are dropping, so I hope that you and 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 your family are safe. And uh, we really appreciate your time, and we really appreciate the work that the administration is doing to alleviate the burden of school debt. So thank you so much for your efforts in that direction. Thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate the chance to talk to you. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. And hello, hello, everybody. It is Friday. Uh, it is driving home with Patty Vasquez. This is not Patty Vasquez. Uh, I am Dan. Uh, Patty, I always, whenever she calls me and asks me to fill in for her, I'm like, how many people said no to you? Because um, I feel like I'm the last resort. But no, anything Patty wants, Patty gets. I love her to death, and she's fabulous. Um, we've had a really, really good show so far, um, and a lot of really good callers. Uh, we've covered a bunch of topics. Um, let's chat with uh, Jim from Lake Zurich real quick. Hey, Jim, I know you've been on hold for a bit, so what's on your mind? Hey, no worries. Thank you very much. Uh, there's a couple things. Uh, you kind of brought up another subject, uh, talking about student uh, debt and so forth. So both my kids, went, one went to UW, the other one went to Purdue. They were, you know, they're both, uh, you know, successful people, uh, right. and they're, you know, settled with debt, right? Uh, everybody argues, friends of mine argue, hey, you know what, why should your kids get any special treatment and, and right. you know, not have to pay their debt? My kids will pay their debt. If that's not the issue. Sure. But don't charge my kids 8%, right? Charge right. them 0.5%. I agree. Charge them what the banks were giving us when we were putting our money in the bank. 0.5 or 0.3%. Absolutely. Right? And see what they say when, when you tell them that. We're going to pay our debt, right? We're not we're not trying to mooch anything off of anybody. What right? we call that the, the, Fed, fun, the Fed funds rate, which, which is what the Federal Reserve lends to banks, and it's a, a percentage or something along those lines. And then we're paying, exactly. like you said, 8%, 9%, or in some cases 12%, and that's not right. 
Yeah, exactly. So that that's one of the things I wanted right. to speak about. But uh, another another thing I wanted to kind of bring up is I, I implore everybody to listen to, to uh, Governor Pritzker's speech. Yeah, you, that was uh, on my, my call screen. I wanted to see what you what your thoughts were on that. What, right. It, it, just go to YouTube and, and kind of listen to his speech. It's uh, he talks about idiot detector, right? And okay. how do you spot an idiot? Right. It's it's very very uh, touching, and it's t- you know. The bottom line is that uh, people lack empathy and uh, are, are afraid. Just listen to a speech, and you'll understand what I'm talking okay. about, right? It, it was very touching. Uh, you know, he speaks about, you know, if one that has empathy is, 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 is a smart person. They don't fear the other, right? Right. And I know we were talking about LGBTQ folks and so forth, yeah. and it, it's a, a primitive instinct in everybody to fear the other, right? right. And people that have empathy um, understand that yeah. and are great leaders. So just watch that speech, and I, I, I'm telling you, it's, it, it was priceless. I will, I, when I first saw it, I actually saw it on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I will amazing. watch that for sure. Okay. Um, I'll also I'll share it on um, Patty's page and uh, our page of Palatini as well. Um, I do think right. – so, so individuals, right. it, it's, it's interesting uh, – I have four godchildren, uh, one of which is Miss Avely, who's watching. So I have to say hello to Miss Avely because she's watching on okay. Facebook Live. Um, she will always know that it is always Uncle Dan and Uncle Jim. That and we are right. just together until somebody tells her differently. She will just think that that is normal. Right. And right. so that's right. just that's the way that kids that they're like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Cool. Until you right. tell me something right. that then that that's what breaks the normality of it. And exactly. I honestly exactly. kids are smarter than most adults, in my opinion. And, oh, they, you know, trust me. Yeah. Trust me. And another point I, I wanted to make, uh, and I, I, I talked to a lot of my Republican friends. Uh, I call them, you know, they're ex- some of them are extreme. I call them maggots. They are, you know, folks that uh, just you cannot get through them. Yeah. So I implore everybody to you're never going to change these people's minds. They have everything that comes up. They have an excuse for it. Oh, you know, Trump didn't do right. this. Trump didn't do that. Um, you know, he was the, the president of peace. Come on, guys. Yeah. Jesus. Man, I, I can't, can't understand where these people are coming up with these talking points. It's just amazing right. what and how much spin they put on it. Yeah. Bottom line, we cannot change these people. We can just no. actually no. expose them for I, what they are. Exactly. Uh, and educate and, educate no, the younger population on how we can. Exactly. Yeah, and the exactly. younger population gets it. Guys, yeah. I'm Agreed. telling you, my kids and, and the younger generation gets it. They're more inclusive. You know, they don't see black, brown, or, or yellow. Right. It, 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 it's a different uh, environment. I, you know, they're going to be the future leaders of, of this country. I hope and so. hopefully they save this country from, from ourselves. Um, Jim, I have to cut you off here, but uh, quick question. Are you a first caller to the show? I, I am. You I am. are? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, you yes. have won the Friday first caller. Um, so oh, okay, Andy great. is going to take your information if he can. Um, and you're going to get a $25 gift certificate because that's one thing that Patty, when she called me last night, uh, was basically like, we need to make sure that we do a first caller uh, uh, incentive. So um, I will make sure that Andy gets your info, um, and you will get a $25 gift card to something from one of our sponsors. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank I you so much for calling No, no not at all. No, it's out. First Caller Friday. That's it. Um, Andy, can we do uh, Dave real quick? 
Hey, hey Dave, how's it going? We got to do a little quick convo because I have my good friend Gemma on hold and we're going to talk about um, all of the things. So what's on your mind, bud? Uh, uh, kind of for a feel good Friday, I just read the story where a judge in New York has ordered former President Donald Trump to pay nearly $400,000 to cover the New York Times with legal fees. Yeah. From that one dot T went after the some of those times and his uh, niece also. And uh, I guess, you know, they were protected under the First Amendment. And he's ordered to cover their legal fees. Right. I, so um, a- number, I've, I have several things. One, um, I don't understand why uh, lawyers still represent Donald Trump because he r- routinely doesn't pay them. Um, and two, the, the, nature of his lawsuits or the things that he's trying to defend himself against are literally thrown out within minutes of any first yeah. litigation. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, also Rudy Giuliani was his lawyer at one point. And so come on, really, what are we doing here? Yeah. So, so Nag is going to have to dig a little deeper and give more money to him and that, and, and closing in the vein of uh, not paying. I see, uh, Mike Lindell has his uh, ads pulled off of Fox News because he ain't paying. Yeah, <laughs> for the ad. and um, and I guess because he uh, also got that Lou Dobbs or something, you know that. The, oh yeah, that's right know, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't understand how they like. Literally, if you um, you hear the, the or if you even read the transcripts from what is occurring in the courtroom, and the judge literally is just telling people to stop talking because the stuff that they are, they're pursuing is like, no, not a thing. And that's it. You yeah. know, they literally said that he could literally murder a, a, a political opponent and oh, it yeah. would be fine. Yeah. No, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. well, this is me, not a dictatorship. We're not a fascist thinking. country. Let me, uh, let me clear off that so you can get to your guest. And okay. And, and maybe a Pick up what you made Yeah. No, and uh, uh, call in on Sunday. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Take care. Day. Okay. Right. Um, so we have right now, and uh, my good friend Andy said that we're okay to kind of go through the, the break here. So we're good with this. We have a good friend of mine, Gemma, who is on the line. Uh, she is uh, part of the docuseries on Netflix from The Keepers. Um, and I, there are no words that ex- can explain how much I love Gemma. But this was a documentary, a web series that explores the unsolved murder of a sister, Catherine Sesnick, which occurred in 1969. Uh, she taught uh, at Baltimore's all-girls Archbishop Kehoe High School, or Kehoe, and uh, her former students believed that there was a massive cover-up uh, because when Sister Kathy decided to come out and uh, call out the... Uh, abuse that was happening at the school, she suddenly disappeared and was murdered. And I think it gives a great testament to Sister Kathy's legacy that there are her students that have dedicated years and years to try to figure out what has gone on. Um, and uh, this started in 2017 was the uh, the uh, docu-series. So, uh, Gemma, hello, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? It is great to hear your voice. You survived the uh, the windstorm and the winter storm. We, we're all good. We lost power. I'm say we because it's me and my dog. Yeah, right? uh, lost power overnight. 
and I had like 8% battery on my phone, but I thought, you know what? That's okay. I'll just chill. I was fine. <laughs> anyway, so it's all good. Okay. But it's so- Thank you so much for inviting me back. Oh, you are one of my favorite people that I just randomly text or call, and you're 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 just phenomenal. Um, I know. You're like, no, you're one of my besties that I've never met. It's true. You know well, we will meet you soon. Uh, my husband has family in Delaware, like I told you on the phone, and we'll when we fly in, we'll visit you for sure. Okay. Um, nobody's, nobody's supposed to know where I live, so you didn't just say that. I mean, right? it's not like it's the smallest state, but it's you know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, tell so for folks that don't, might not be um, uh, uh, like aware of the 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 keepers uh, premise, uh, give us a brief uh, intro to that, and then we can talk about uh, current uh, current updates. Okay, sounds good. For those of your listeners who don't know about the keepers. Um, it's a docu-series, seven episodes. It's still on Netflix. Do not try to buy the DVD because it won't be complete. The DVD is not available unless you're a media person and they gave you a copy that's missing some episodes. It's still so popular. It's you got to watch it on Netflix. So anyway, um, Sister Kathy Sesnick was my teacher and my drama coach when I was in high school um, I graduated from Archbishop Keogh in 1970. She, uh, my junior year, Sister Kathy left the school to begin teaching in, in a public school in Baltimore City. And uh, my senior year, she suddenly disappeared. We had no idea what happened to her. And two months later, her body was found. She had been murdered. Uh, since that time, we have had many questions And uh, the Keepers brings to the forefront this whole story. It's kind of two stories. One is the murder of Sister Kathy, and the other is the exposure of the sexual abuse that was going on in the school at the time that she was teaching there. Mm -hmm. Now, my sister and I both went there. We had no idea what was going on, and neither one of us is naive. But this was quite a network that involved priests, uh, nuns, police officers, and politicians who were actually brought to the school. And these girls were um, manipulated, drugged, hypnotized, and they were raped in the the, uh, chaplain's office. His name was Joseph Maskell. I can't call him Father or Reverend because he's not. Right. and um, he had, he was kind of the uh, head honcho of this network. And so um, very high ranking politicians were brought in police cars to the building. They were let in through a back door directly into his office. Girls were there. He took money. The girls were not even lucid. Um, the abuse happened in his office, in the chapel. He would lock the doors to the chapel uh, on the altar. It is horrific, and yeah. it's credible, and it happens. Which is one of the most sacred places of the church is an altar. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there you go. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so what? Um, so yeah, how how long did this go on for? Um, to my knowledge, the abuse. Well, Joseph Maskell was moved around the Archdiocese of Baltimore. From the time he left the seminary, okay. we know that 
he abused in the seminary when he was working at a summer camp. We know that he abused at every parish where he was stationed. So all of his adult life, he was abusing children. And I mean, people under 18 or, I mean, I'm, I'm an old lady now. They're considered minors. Um, so at Keogh, uh, it occurred from the time he, he started there, which was 1968 until he left in 1975. Okay. And at that time, he was sent to the central office like bad boy. And so I guess they could keep an eye on him. But his assignment there at the Catholic Center in the Archdiocese was to um, evaluate homeless or foster orphan children for placement in foster homes. What a what a delightful situation mm-hmm. for pedophiles. So we have no idea where those kids are. I have always wondered, do they realize that they are part of this story and that what he did to them, you know, I don't know what became of them. It was run by Catholic Charities, and I've contacted Catholic Charities, but of course they won't tell me anything. Right. Um, so... You know, it goes on and on from there. How responsive? So uh, we were chatting about the updates that have been happening. So how responsive has, um, like, the the attorney general or anybody else investigating, how have they been keeping up with this? Okay. Our attorney general is amazing. His name is Anthony Brown, wonderful Democrat, of course. Um, (laughs) And he has committed himself to doing what he can to uh, support what the law that was passed this past in the past um, congressional session in Maryland, and it's called the Child Victims Act, and it eliminates completely the statute of limitation on childhood sexual oh, abuse. That's awesome so, because a lot yeah, of times so, people don't come out right. because they mm-hmm. they're one embarrassed or scared, and by the time they so, get the courage to do it, right. it's already so, statute yeah. limitations. Yeah, okay. Right. Let's say there's somebody 90 years old, yeah, and they were abused by anybody when they were 10. They right now um, they can file a claim. They can uh, file charges against that person. Now, unfortunately, when the Child Victims Act uh, was passed, which was in the spring, it took, uh, it actually became a law and became active October 1st. Two days before that, the Archdiocese of Baltimore claimed bankruptcy. And this is very typical of what happens around the country. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Exactly. When these laws were passed, Um, So what that means is that everybody who was prepared, who had an attorney and a therapist and had reported to the police and the attorney general, we all found out that all of those individuals now would have to file their claim in bankruptcy court. So on the positive side, it means that they don't have to go to trial and face archdiocesan attorneys. Mm -hmm. But on the negative side, it means that whatever assets the archdiocese has that are um, able to be used for these bankruptcy claims, 
that will have to be divided mm-hmm. between people who have now filed claims. There's there's a deadline of May 31st for anybody who was abused by clergy to file the claim. And each individual, depending on their abuse, is going to be tiered, T-I-E-R-E-D, mm-hmm. so that tier one, and it's it's so sad to have to put them in categories, but tier one would be the people whose abuse was you know, more horrific than the next person. Right. Uh, so well, and that, you, go ahead. You, no, you do a really nice job uh, with your, your good friend Shane Waters, who is really cool. Um, right. And he, you guys have done a podcast uh, series, and I think you're doing another one, or you are currently doing another one. Well, we've done 80 plus in this case in the last six years. Okay. So if the listeners go to Foul Play, I know it's okay to push other shows. That's fine. Right? No, totally, yeah. Um, you're, you're all in this for the Well, same you also reason. tagged me because he wanted to have other folks I do know. a podcast with him, and I'm totally game, so I'm, I'm game for doing one with him, too. Um, we've done three recent episodes. One of them is about the Attorney General's report. One of them is about the bankruptcy, and I learned a lot from Shane. I call it like bankruptcy for dummies mm-hmm. because they didn't understand it. Most people, I mean, I'm not afraid to say I'm clueless about something. The one that we're going to be putting out next week will be very interesting to your listeners is uh, about the uh, Jesuit who supposedly was Kathy's boyfriend. I don't believe he was, but... Oh, Coop? Yeah, Jerry yeah. Coop. Jerry Coop, yeah. Keepers, And... Uh, there have been numerous allegations of sexual abuse yeah. made by women, not only at Keogh, but from other states where he was. And we uh, did an interview with one of the women who is very public about what happened to her, Ronnie Norpel. Right. Uh, Nicole was in the Baltimore Banner. I can send you the link and you can post it in your show notes um, about him. Two of our wonderful investigative reporters from the Baltimore Banner went to visit him in Summers Point, New Jersey. Right. And he actually let them in. And I thought, if somebody came to my home and I didn't know them and they said they wanted to talk to me about child abuse, I'd probably kick them out and call the police. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's quite, uh, I don't have any relationship with him. So. Right. Um, I, I think he's very much about himself. He's also been and able to fly he, under the radar for quite a long time. Uh, well, he can't, he had them come in, and for two hours he defended himself. Of course he does, yeah. He gave the same answers he did, you know, for the last 50 years. I find the women very credible. I know five of them personally, and they are not all from Keogh. They are from three different states, and... I believe that why in the world would somebody make this stuff up right. and put themselves in that position? Well, and it's also, Gemma, and we're going to go to a break here in a minute, and you're obviously sure. going to stay on for the next half hour. But it's also like nobody gains anything from speaking out for the the travesty or the, the abuse that they incurred, right? So it's not like you're doing this. To, to gain notoriety, right? It, it, it actually 
the, the reason that you're talking about statutes of limitation, it's because people don't want to because they don't want to talk about it, but also they have to be able to talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's and like people know, are thinking they, they want the, the, the fame. No, they do not want this, quote unquote, fame. This is not fame. This is them bringing up an, a, a tragedy and trauma that they don't want to talk about in the first place, but we need to be able to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think because of the keepers and now because of the attorney general's report, Dan, there have been hundreds. His office got 300 calls within the first few days of that report from people who had not yet reported. And that's just from the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Yeah. So. This is just the tip of the iceberg. And you talk about you, uh, um, Father Maskell. No, sorry, Maskell. I'm not going to say Father Maskell. Maskell. Uh, they they bopped him all around the world. Like he was in Ireland. He was in different. Oh, yeah. like, like they they literally made it a point to just remove him from situations. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the way that the church does. And we can also talk about when we get back how I love the fact that the church is the most profitable corporation that doesn't pay taxes and yet pays off everybody. Um, Gemma, you're okay to, if we take a break and uh, we'll see you back here in a couple of minutes? Okay. Sweet. All right. We'll see you guys here at Driving Home with Patty Vasquez. We'll see you in a minute. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And hello, hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday evening. Um, it is Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. I am not Patty Vasquez. I am Dan Schaefer. Um, she asks me to fill in um, when everyone else tells her no. And... Uh, I have a show on Sunday mornings called Apolitini with Dan and Meg. You guys are welcome to tune in here on WCPT at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, also, we are, after, we are at the 6 o'clock hour now, so we are also broadcasting to KTNF 9.50 a.m. in Minneapolis and St. Paul. So thank you for everyone for tuning in, Heartland Signal. Um, we are on the line with our good friend, Gemma Hoskins, and um, she is chatting about uh, the the journey that she has been going through helping uh, individuals who have been affected by uh, abuse by the Catholic Church, uh, which has resulted in rapes, murders, all the things, part of a Netflix docu-series called The Keepers. And so, Gemma, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, I wanted to ask you about the bankruptcy piece. I always say that the... the I, I, I hate institutionalized religion because it is the largest corporation that doesn't pay taxes, yet they can still declare bankruptcy. Um, how has that been affecting victims that you've been working with? Yeah, it's been it's been very difficult for them. Many of them, it was so hard, Dan, for them to take the first step and come forward to anybody. And um, I, I have done some advocacy work with some of them who felt comfortable contacting me. And, you know, I encourage them, report it, get a therapist, find a good attorney. And what's happened was they geared up for that. They did all the right things. They made a police report. They reported to the attorney general. And then they get ready with an attorney who says you're going to be in a courtroom. You might have to face your abuser if your abuser is still living. There will be archdiocesan attorneys. And, you know, that's very difficult for somebody who's in a, any of us mm-hmm. uh, 
and they're they're ready for that, and then we find out the the church declares bankruptcy. So for some of them, it's a relief, but for most of them, it is such a um, it's a sock in the in the face mm-hmm. because it's they feel like the air's been punched out of them because and and these are not being handled with the law firms that I'm aware of as class action suits, but everybody is going to be in a large group, and yes, they will get a financial settlement, but it will be divided equally. Right. So right now, um, our Attorney General, Anthony Brown, as I said, is wonderful. Yeah. He is uh, fighting a court battle with the Archdiocese Diocese of Washington, who has challenged the constitutionality of the Child Victims Act. So part of Maryland is actually in the Archdiocese of Washington, and he has has made a commitment before the Child Victims Act was even passed that if it was, he would absolutely fight to prove its constitutionality. So we have this wonderful leader on our side. Um, the the uh, survivors that I have talked to are confused. They are brokenhearted. They want to give up. They think they're not important anymore because you know they were. They're all with attorneys, and the attorneys are doing everything they can to keep in contact. But everybody is feeling like they've lost. Right. Already, and they haven't. But it's a normal reaction to the bankruptcy announcement. Well, that's so. It's it's. I, I, well, Gemma, you know me. I always have to go back to politics. It's kind of like a that's Donald right. Trump situation where you yeah. just drag it out, drag it out, drag it out. I feel like that's what the archdiocese is doing, mm-hmm. and they're hoping that the the claimants' funds exhaust before theirs do. But they have so much money. So it doesn't matter. They can drag it out and drag it out um, it, 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 until the, the what you discussed, until the statute of limitations runs out. But that is not a thing anymore. And so now right. they actually have to be held accountable. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you're doing to make sure that the archdiocese is being held accountable? And how much of a struggle mm-hmm. is that? Okay, it gets a little complicated. Okay, and people you can give me the short version. We don't have to go super yeah, deep, but yeah. the general version because I'm like the the bankruptcy for dummies chick, right? Um, <laughs> Luckily, I'm I'm a finance person, so I got I got gotcha. <laughs> so okay, got... um, what um, what is happening is that people are saying, well, why can't the church just sell some jewels and some chalices or some artwork from the basement of the Vatican right. or something? Yeah. Which would be amazing, but the church, as you said, is a big business. It's one of the biggest businesses in the world. And what they've done is they have protected their assets by dividing the assets and putting them in little companies called parishes. Mm-hmm. So St. Mary's of, you know, of whatever, of Baltimore, has this chunk of change that is protected because it's a little company. What the archdiocese is doing right now, they have a deadline 
by which they have to produce a list of all the assets that they have that are accessible to the survivors. Oh, I would love to see that so, list. I know. Well, we're waiting for it. Some of it's been discussed in the newspaper, but we haven't seen the whole thing. Is it subject to um, the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, or is it not? Uh, not yet, because it's it's something that they are agreeing to do, okay. but because so much... There are so many assets, so many places that it, it's almost like a tangled web of what's accessible to use for survivor settlements and what's not. And, of course, okay. they're going to make it really difficult. Yeah. But there are really good attorneys working on this, and we will know. I, I tell you who's doing the best job is the young investigative reporters for the Banner and the Sun Papers. There and was a, uh, the Baltimore, Baltimore Banner? Um, yes. Yes, okay. Justin, That's what you referenced and, and, uh, when you sent yep. me a message earlier today. Yep. They, um, they're amazing. Okay. And, you know, Emma doesn't have to be the news reporter of the world anymore, and I don't have to be, like, the major digger for information mm-hmm. because they're doing it. And I really think that all the answers to whatever happened to Kathy and whoever's involved, investigative reporters, who are unraveling everything. I mean, half the attorney general's report was redacted. Well, they figured out all the redacted names with yeah. little bits of information. So I really think it's going to be up to the media and people like you interviewing people like me that are going to trigger more information. So to get back to your original question, um, the uh, church has a certain amount of time that it has to produce the assets and where they are. And because the assets are so well, I'm going to use the word hidden, but so well divided among real estate companies and parishes and nonprofits and hospitals and orphanages that they're not able to be accessed for this purpose. So that's a huge legal mess, and it's going to take a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, quick reminder, we can't say swear words on the air. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, totally no, when you and I are on the phone, we can do that. But um, no, Andy, oh, he's I, like I sweating. No, no, we got, we're, we're all good. Okay. Um, so, um, what is the path forward? So, I know that um, there was there's been a lot of activity happening, right? So, you guys exhumed mm-hmm. a body um, it, it, with uh, the the hopefulness of finding more evidence. Um, there is more digging into individuals, uh, both political and within the clergy and the, the archdiocese. What, and also you, I, I, I want to say that you are an advocate for a lot of individuals that have been going through this, uh, like way past 1969. Like you are, you are available and you travel and you are there for individuals that are trying to come to terms and get justice for for the abuse that they experienced. Um, well, you. You're you're what is what are your? Give me your three priorities right now. Okay, um, 
One is the path forward as far as survivors. There is now a, a website set up by a committee of survivors who are dealing with this bankruptcy issue. And I will send you that link because it's going to be full of information. I am not responsible for setting it up, but they will be able to go there and get day-to-day updates on what's happening. Okay. Okay. So nobody needs to not know. Yeah. The second thing, I have taken a big step backwards from social media because being an advocate is a double-edged sword. And if people are coming forward and need help, they can send me a Facebook message, but I am not um, purposely putting myself in the spotlight. I respond to people like you or interviews, but I'm happy to help them. Find res- I, I have a lot of resources that I can send them to, yeah. but um, I, I've taken a big step out of the chaos, if yeah. that makes it. As you so should, because it's a draining yeah. experience. It's very difficult. Yeah. It really craves serenity and peace, and I am finding it now. Um, the other thing is that I can't say enough about people, especially men, who were abused by clergy to come forward and tell somebody, even if it's their sister or their wife or somebody, their best friend, because it's an underrepresented, very critical mass. And I'll tell you why. And you will understand this, Dan, because guys think If they were abused by a priest, it means they were gay. There has nothing to pedophilia and a life choice of homosexuality are not connected in any way. Pedophilia is a crime and it's a mental illness. So a lot of men are very tentative about coming forward and telling anybody and I, I can't say enough about how important that is. And there are some great role models. There are some guys that I'm working with that are spokespeople, you know, and advocates. But it is so important that we know that those individuals know that there is help for them and that nobody is going to judge them. They can do this anonymously. And so the fact that there are so many women coming forward, that's not a coincidence. It's because women do that. Right. And, you know, they have to tell their story. Yeah. So that's really important to me um, is to to make sure that guys know it's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. You are you can be straight, gay, upside down, yellow, purple or green. Nobody cares. You were hurt by an adult. Yeah. No, that's, um, yes. Um, so, uh, how, so Baltimore is your area. That's where this occurred. Are you finding that there are individuals from across the country that are reaching out to you? Absolutely. And it's a lot of people from other states. I, I have a Facebook page and people send me, I do allow people to send me Facebook messenger messages. I also know that you get a lot of kind of weird people that try to reach out to you and that you you need to be self-protective. I'm very careful about that. Right. 
but if somebody sincerely needs help, I can make sure that they know what to do, right. how to report. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will be like, Gemma, I was abused by, you know, my stepfather. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, that's different than That's a very abused. different situation. Yeah. Absolutely. But it needs to be reported. Yeah. And that's this first step. So um, I do have, I have people from other countries. I mean, there's people from all over the world that, like, contact me. You know, it's, me it's funny. Abuse happens all over the place, right? It's a weird, it's a weird yeah. theory, right? It, well, the institutional abuse is the biggest issue to me right now. And I, I want to make sure your listeners, well, I know they understand this. Faith and religion are two different things. True. Religion is a business. It's an institution. Faith is your connection with your yeah, higher power. Agreed. I always say yeah. that I, I am. Uh, I agree that there is a faith out there. There is a being that somebody can speak to or have faith with, a relationship with. Right. But institutionalized things are where I kind of my my yeah. eye goes up I, a little bit or my eye twitches. And that's a, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Dan, I grew up Catholic. I went to so Catholic I. school yeah. for 12 years and I was with, you know, girls for four years in high school, which is really bizarre. Um, but I, I was uh, raised with guilt, fear and boredom. Catholic guilt is the best. I mean, that yeah. or Jewish guilt. It's two of the best yeah. guilt that they've. You know, yeah. it, it happens everywhere. Yeah. And my parents. Like, really cool. Nobody ever got smacked in my house. Nobody was ever drunk or abusive. And so all of this was new to me, which does give me some emotional divorce from it. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't totally empathize because it didn't happen to me, but I have compassion. But I can step back from it because it doesn't remind me of something that happened to me. Right. And that then has been a double edged sword because some of the survivors. And some of the people that I thought were my friends have turned because yeah. they say, I'm too public, I'm too outspoken, I want the attention, I'm a survivor wannabe. Well, they can think what they want, but I am totally comfortable with myself. And in being a public person, I'm getting the information out there to people that need it and want it, and I don't really care about the others. Well, so, you know, and I'm I'm going to – we we have a few minutes left here. Um, I'm going to say, uh, number one, the, the first time that I met you virtually uh, – actually, I met you on with the first episode of the Netflix, The Keepers, the first episode where you uh, got the yellowtail uh, – wine at the bar and i was like oh she gets me that's cool um but i've also met you personally and you are one that um you just want to make sure that people are taken care of and i understand that individuals that you started this journey with before uh, are not having the same view of you as I think other people do. And I just wanted to make sure that you know that you are doing the work. You are doing the things. You are making sure that people are heard and you are making sure that they have the resources. And you also 
take random time to come on to my stupid radio show, which no, this is Patty's show. So Patty's show is not stupid. Patty's show is really great. My show is stupid on Sunday mornings, but you came on to mine too. Um, you are wanting to make sure that you have everybody's story be heard. And that's, that's a lot. That takes a lot for you I, to do. I, yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that because I'm not as tough as people think. No, you're pretty I, tough. Well, I have a big mouth and a thin skin, and some of the things that have happened to me, I've been a target, and I acknowledge that. And uh, some people that I really thought were my very dearest friends have turned away from me, and that has been really, really painful, and I had to process that. And it was not easy. It's but not easy. I, but, you no, know, I, when you have to take the most difficult position, yeah. you realize how hard it is. But then I look at the, my life now. It is such a rich, diverse tapestry yeah. of real people that I've learned to know and to love or to not love and that care about me and that I care about them. And... I, you know, my, your gut never lies. Sure. And so yeah. I move on from some of the old things. And some of the people that, you know, I wasn't popular in high school. Neither was I. I reconnected with them. Yeah. And they're awesome people. And so I, I just feel like, you know, we have to uh, try to be a cork. But it's not always easy and go with the flow. True. But there's a lot of processing and evaluating and overanalyzing of relationships. Right now, I'm in a really good headspace, and I just appreciate people like you that we have similar values and we value each other. You are one of my favorite people. Um, oh, absolutely. No, and I really do appreciate you calling in. And uh, the work that you're doing is phenomenal. Um, and it's never ending because in our country, it's never ending. So I, know. I really Very appreciate sad. you doing it. And you you have been one who um, uh, you get told no a lot and you don't accept that. <laughs> I invite people to watch the interview I did with Elizabeth Vargas on News Nation because I didn't say what she wanted me to say, and she got me off the air really quick. So I told uh, I told her the FBI was jerking the Malecki family around that, by exhuming that, Bush's okay. body. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Also, you're uh, on The View, too. So, like, you've made it, what? lady. Oh, come on. Well, you know what? I was so enamored with meeting Whoopi Goldberg. And oh, by the see. way, she smells like Jasmine, oh. and she's little. And I was, like, so starstruck. But, okay, well, um, maybe we'll try yeah, to get on there again, you and I, because I just want to have Joy Behar. That's That'd that's be my fun. goal. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's do that. That'd be great. Okay, we'll be on the All view. Right. Okay, cool deal. <laughs> um, well, this okay. So this is driving home. Patty Vasquez. I am not Patty Vasquez. I am Dan Schaefer filling in. Uh, Gemma Hoskins is one of my absolute favorite people, and uh, there are a lot of things that are happening in the Catholic Church, and I think that we need to be aware of those things. And so uh, keep aware, keep your eyes open, your ears open. Um, Gemma, I absolutely love you, and Happy New Year, my friend. Thank you, Dan. Happy New Year to you, too, hon. All right. You take care. You, too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Um, so I think we are done for the show. Um, thanks for tuning in, uh, driving home with Patty Vasquez. Um, I would do a Palatini recipe at this point right now. 
pour some hot chocolate and throw some bourbon in it and you're good to go. My favorite Andy here is making it look like we know what we're doing. And uh, we will chat about uh, the rest of whatever is happening in the politics today. So um, we are in a election year, an election year. Um, I always do this, and I'll do this again on Sunday. Uh, it only took 79,000 votes for Donald Trump to become president in 2016. 29, or 79,000 votes in a country of 300 and plus million people. That's a thing that we need to be aware of. Um, I get it. Individuals think that Joe Biden is not mentally capable of being president. I honestly think that he is. I think that he also is physically capable. Um, and also he surrounds himself with a lot of people that can also advise him on how to do his job. Uh, Donald Trump, I question that. So we're going really political here. So sorry, Patty. But um, no, I think you need to make sure that you are eligible to vote. Uh, if you live in a state like Ohio or Mississippi or Tennessee, definitely Pennsylvania or Colorado, uh, I would make sure that your registration is current. Um, it's uh, pertinent that you make sure that your vote counts. Um, and if you want to vote by mail, make sure that that also counts. You can track it. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, this is me. Um, I didn't love Joe Biden when he was running for president, um, but I voted for him. I voted for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, but if we're at a point now where it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I mean... Let's talk about that, okay? And we can talk about that on Sunday also. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, you just need to vote. That's the thing. I, the, the, the level of individuals that do not vote in this country is actually kind of appalling. Um, we have so many people who don't vote in a country where we're actually afforded the right to vote. And so make sure you're registered and then actually execute the decision. And also, uh, Joan Esposito says this all the time, down ballot, like we're talking water reclamation, we're talking judges, we're talking school board, make sure that you are voting for all of those positions. Because um, in Illinois, we were two, I think two seats away from having our uh, state Supreme Court flipping from Democrat to Republican. And you can discuss how they interpret the Constitution, but then you can look at the National Supreme Court as well. So, I mean, yeah, make sure you're good here. Make sure you're voting. Uh, it's local politics are going to impact your life more so than national will. Um, I love my alderman, uh, Ruth Cruz. She's fabulous. And uh, yeah, so it's good. Um and then if you guys want to check into the show on Sunday, um, 773-763-9278 to call in. It's called a Politini with Dana and Meg. We always start off with um, the the normal politics of the world, and uh, we talk about all the things. And then end the show with a uh, cocktail recipe to start your Sunday. 
you can make the cocktail after noon because at 9 a.m. that that just seems kind of weird. But um, no, I thank Patty Vasquez for asking me to fill in for her. Um, And uh, I thank all of our callers and especially our guests, Meg and Gemma. uh, Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, Andy for making it seem like I know what I'm doing here. And uh, we will see you. Well, I'll see you guys on Sunday. And uh, then uh, Patty will be back on Monday, I believe. So um, we will see you guys next week. Hey, this is Patty Vasquez. I'm a busy mom and I do everything I can to keep my family safe. But no matter how careful I am, accidents happen. Like that driver who rear-ended me at Milwaukee and Foster. Once I made sure everyone was okay and it was safe for me to get out of my vehicle, I got the other driver's info and I called my car guy, Warren Price, at European and U.S. Collision Repair Center. He helped me navigate the insurance claims and his expert technicians made my car look brand new. Warren has been serving the community with European U.S. Collision Repair Center, a division of Technocraft at 4080 North Broadway, for 40 years, and he's been my car guy for over a decade. I trust him with my family's safety. So check him out at EuropeanUS.com or call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200. So we can all keep driving it home safely together. <laughs>